Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? Well, it's winter time, but here it is uh, already the official day that winter starts. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. You're listening to the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. For the next hour, it's a live program. So if you've got some things you want to talk about or chat about or ask about or share, this is your chance. It's a garden party. It's sort of like uh, keeping all of our tribal information amongst ourselves and spreading it far and wide. So anyway, sit back. We're going to do just a little bit of news. Here it is, this uh, beginning of winter uh, here at MPB. And then we're going to come back with your phone calls and live stuff and some cheesy music. It's a weird world, folks. I think gardening can heal a hurting one, though. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and we are going to start winding this year down today. It's a live program, so if you've got some things you'd like to chat about uh, this uh, blustery, cold, chilly beginning of winter, this is your chance. We're going to be off next week because of the uh, the holidays, but we'll be back right after the first year. So this is sort of a wrap-up program, I guess. Uh, Java, we had an uh, interesting time last week. We you know, I had uh, been interrupted by politics and stuff like that. Matter of fact, I got a little tune to calm people down coming up. But uh, how's everything going there in the studio after uh, last week's wild and crazy drive time? Oh, man, everything's good. You know, as always, we uh, thank our supporters for um, uh, helping us out during drive. Um, but, yeah, we back back to normal, man. We um, on this Christmas break coming up. So everybody gets a little time with their family and and come back recharged. <laughs> that's OK. Yeah, and that's and that's what we're going to do here at MPB today is a live program. So if you guys have things to chat about, this is a good time. We've got the lines wide open and uh, Kevin Farrell is our our phone greeter and uh, Java Chapman my awesome producer we're going to be just talking about gardening so if this is a good chance I know there's a lot of people who are who are worried about covering plants up or watering or getting ready for the holidays or how do you you know what, what can you bring in and all that kind of stuff also what can you plant this time of year or should you be doing anything Matter of fact, there are some things you could be doing that'll uh, either make things better next year or make things less not so great. I'm talking particularly about those of you who worry about weeds in the lawn. We always get a lot of calls every uh, late February, particularly March and April. We get a lot of phone calls about uh, winter we- about weeds in the lawn. And the truth is, those things that bother you in March and April are hard to kill in March or April. They're mature. They're sending up energy into flowers. Uh, they're bigger. Uh, the lawn is starting to green up, and weed killers can damage the lawn during that real tender little spring green up. So uh, come March or April, when a lot of people are worried about things in the, in the the uh, about weed killing in the lawn, I'm going to remind you that today back in December is when I said you really ought to do something now late December January uh, the grass is dormant we've had plenty of, of cool weather or it's nearly as dormant as it's going to get uh, a lot of those things that cause us problems in March and April are already sprouted they're small they're not bothering you the stickers the dandelions uh, the things that I basically call wildflowers but henbit wild onion wild garlic uh, things, uh, all those kind of things that bother some people are small right now. They're very easy to control with less likely to damage your lawn. So if you're worried about winter weeds in the spring, um, winter weeds are best controlled in the winter. And that's what's starting right now. So if you want to talk about that kind of stuff, give me a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. No matter where you are, we'll chat with you about gardening. And uh, if there's some things that uh, that you want to wrap up for the year, uh, I'll be glad to, t- to talk about that. That's what I've been doing. I brought in all of my plants. I made a, a new bench for some of my plants. I have two plant stands that fit in my little sunroom, and I put them uh, 
one on either side of the sunroom, and I, and I, I put some benches across between the two so I have more place to put my potted plants without cluttering up all my floor. Uh, did did have some lizards, but caught a couple of lizards that, that came hitchhiking. As soon as I brought them in, it was nice and warm. They came out scrambling, looking for some sunshine, and, and they're real easy to catch uh, as they clustered around the window trying to get back outside. And uh, I have a, a unique way of catching lizards. <laughs> I've got a, a toilet plunger which is because, uh, you know, you can't just reach out and grab a lizard. They're too quick. So, but what I, what I did was I took a uh, toilet plunger, and I can sneak up on them real quick and push it over the top of them, then slide a piece of cardboard between the window pane and the toilet plunger, and then take the lizards out and, and uh, put them in a place where they can scramble down deep to get uh, nice, and, nice and cozy so they're not exposed to cold weather. So me and my toilet paper my, my toilet plunger have caught and released three lizards so far so anyway that's the kind of stuff we do also spend a little bit of time cleaning up some of the the, the leaves and things because i keep a lot of my potted plants outside during the the spring summer and fall because they, they just mm-hmm. like the humidity so uh anyway if you've got some uh, some things along those lines some stories to share bring it on we're going to be talking about gardening for the solid hour and i think what we're going to do is we're going to start out right off the bat by going up to ridgeland talking with john hey john thank you for calling man what's up felder felder merry christmas to you my friend thank you sir thank you thank you what's up well first of all i want to thank you you helped me with an oak tree about Gosh, it's been 10 years ago, and that rascal finally died, but we had some good, uh, we had a little disease in it. But how, how, Wait, 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 how did I help you if it ended up dying? Well, you told me that it was going to die. That's the main thing. And you gave me an opportunity to kind of look at it from the perspective of what I had to deal with. Dying limbs, uh, protecting the house, or those that were underneath them. And, uh, you know, the Widowmakers are always a, a cold reminder of what we need to kind of look at, but... What I'm talking about today is talking about leaves on the ground. You know, I'm a big procrastinator when it comes to raking up those oak leaves. And is it really a problem to leave them down there for a couple of months, you know, during the cold winter months? Well, there, there's a couple of different approaches to this. You know, be, uh, sort of like the you remember the the, the uh, county extension agent uh, character on Green Acres, Hank Kimball. He never would I give do. you a straight answer. Well, I'm a, <laughs> I'm gonna do that. Uh, on one hand, uh, it really doesn't hurt anything because typically most of the leaves are under a tree and your grass is thin anyway. So if you could just simply mow them, just run them over, over and chop them up in little bits, they'll de- they, they, won't, they won't pack down and keep the grass wet, which could lead to diseases. Also, if you have a lot of leaves on the grass, it can, can sort of act like a blanket and keep the grass a little extra tender. Uh, and then a hard freeze can go right through the leaves and kill them. So it's, it's better to, if you want to have grass, you should, the grass should be able to see the sky. So if you'll run the lawnmower over them a couple of times, and uh, when they get so thick that you can't, uh, you know, that, that they still pack up, either blow them or rake them as a mulch around your, your shrubs, or maybe even use them as an opportunity to create a, a little mulch area, eventually ground covers under your trees. But anyway, to answer your question, if they if they pack down, uh, they can they can 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 lead to winter injury or even diseases. Well, you've you've kind of solved my case. Number one, don't procrastinate. Number two, take some effective action in in making it a better better yard for the coming spring. So yeah, yeah, be a little my friend to, yeah. to hear you, and I love your show. Hey, thanks for being part of it, John. Thank you. Yeah, this is uh you know pros and cons. Do you rake or not? Well, the let me throw out one other thing. If you've got a lot of leaves on the ground, that's telling me that you've got a lot of trees and grass and trees are not a natural combination. It might be time to to do a sort of a yin-yang thing and have some grass, some mulch. If you can make a little distinct line somewhere out between the, the somewhere out from the tree trunk and just make a, a nice little ditch or stack up some rocks or some whatever make a a, a distinct border and say on this side will be grass on that side will be leaves maybe eventually mulch it makes things a whole lot more sensible to the tree for one thing and to the grass and makes it a lot easier on you anyway give us a call toll free 1877 mpb ring Uh, we've got the lines wide open uh, John had mentioned that um, that oak trees, as they get older, just like pine trees, the older limbs tend to to to, to die and slowly. And uh, when they fall, they can cause some damage. I'm having this week a um, 
uh, a fellow, a, a local tree guy who's coming in and cutting a couple of limbs off of a neighbor's tree. I've got permission for the neighbor, but I don't really need it because uh, a couple of great big limbs from her oak tree right on the property line are hanging over my house. And uh, they're starting to drop limbs. They're, they're, they're making a lot of noise. They're, they're a whole bunch of leaves getting in my, my rain gutters and things. So I'm just simply having them cut off. It costs them a little bit of money, but, you know, at the same time, I'm not going to have to worry about that limb falling down, and it's right above where our power lines connect to the house, too. So anyway, trees are great out in the forest, up close to the house. Sooner or later, there's going to be a debate about which is more important, and trust me on this, gravity wins every time. So um, I went ahead and cut a few things off. Uh, we've got some lines open. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-4-MPB-RING. Uh, 877-MPB-RING. I'm Horticulture's fellow Rushing, and I want to chat with you. Uh, we're going to be taking a break next week, so this is a good time to sort of wrap things up. Give me a call. Again, toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. We'll talk about what's going on or not in your own garden. We're going to take a real short break and come back with pure phone calls from you. Give us a call, won't you? Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing, and uh, the weather's been crisp. That's a good way to put it, Ben Chris. And we're going to be talking about um, frost and cold and freezing the head of us. Maybe you got some things you'd, li- you'd like to, to chat about. Give me a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring or shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Meanwhile, let's go down to the kiln. Hey, Beckett, how are you? Hey, how you doing? Good. I, uh... So far, so good. All right. I, uh, this is actually on the uh, fauna side of things. The gentleman uh-huh. that just called uh, regarding leaves in, her y- in his yard, I wanted to mention that uh, those can also attract a lot of pests around the house if those have a, if those those leaves are are real close to the home. Well, as a matter of fact, they can. I, I was blowing leaves the other day. I, I, I like to rake leaves because I like the way it sounds and feels. But sometimes it gets so much, I'll take my blower. And I took my blower up against the foundation of my cabin and blew the leaves away from it. Even though I like the mulch, if they pack up against there, not only keeps moisture, uh, but like you say, it's a real good place for beetles, for even termites. But So I like to keep the mulch away from the foundation uh, a few inches or a foot or so. It's a good tip, though. Exactly. I've uh, I've seen a lot of times that uh, magnolia trees will uh, actually draw out those uh, real bad German roaches. <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll do that. Luckily for me, and I don't know about down in the kiln, but I but my my cabin is up in Jackson. We have a lot of those Mediterranean geckos, those kind of a almost see through lizards that come out at night. Have you seen those? Uh, well, I don't have a lot of small critters around my house. I have a few cats. They take care of pretty much everything. <laughs> well, the the geckos come out at night, and they tend to cluster up high around the uh, uh, around the the porch line and stuff like that. But they they eat roaches like chocolate cake. I haven't seen. I mean, it's amazing what they've done. And they typically live in those same kind of places too. But uh, anyway, I've been real fortunate about that. So uh, anyway, and I really appreciate your call. What else you got going on in your yard? Well, I uh, everything's pretty much froze over right now. My wife mostly does uh, <laughs> spring and summer flowers, and uh, yeah. in the winter, I, in the winter, I'm just in charge of mowing leaves. 
Yeah, well, I understand that. Well, listen, here's, here's a real quick tip. If you want to do a little surprise, get her a nice-looking pot, you know, just big enough to put your arms around, and uh, put two or three plants. Put a couple of three daffodil bulbs. Put a kale, K-A-L-E, uh, mm-hmm. maybe one of those flowering cabbage-type things, and a pansy or viola, and uh, put, a, put a ribbon around it and stick it out where she'll find it. That, that way she'll end up growing stuff in the wintertime too and then come springtime when those flowers are gone she can just pull them up and stick summertime stuff in the old potting soil that'll be real cool all right well thank you all right all right appreciate it thanks for your call man that was beckett down in kiln and i really encourage people to plant stuff for the winter time because in the south we can garden all winter that's what my column is about next week uh i, I write a syndicated column for the mississippi weekly and daily papers next week is about the things that we can enjoy in december january february people in the rest of the country can't and it's easy i was raised with these flowers they love the cold weather and uh, if you want to talk about that give us a call but meanwhile uh, let's go to a uh, funder and nicole is this uh johanna hey yes Belder, it's me again <laughs> howdy what's up well but one thing i want to also tell the people about the leaves this is what i called about but if you rake them to the edge like you said under shrubs and stuff like that fireflies that's what they live on is leaf litter and fireflies or light bugs numbers have decreased and so if People keep their leaf litter somewhere like that. There's also kind of all kind of beneficial critters that get in there, and moths and butterflies lay eggs. There's a lot of them hibernate over the winter in curled up leaves and things. So that's you know, not against the house, but maybe other places like you said might be a good thing. And, and you know, that's, that's one of the things. So, <laughs> well, you know, jo- Johanna, one one of the things people don't realize they say, well, where did all our fireflies go? Well, the fireflies are not where you have closely mowed grass. They yeah. like uh, tall grass. They like the edge of stuff. What they call the verge. You know, the 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 unmowed stuff in leaves. And if you don't have leaves or things like that, mulch, you're not know, have lightning bugs. Anyway, really good tip. I just, so what yeah, else I just you, want people to know. The other thing I called you about, the primary reason I called. My son's down with a friend of his in Picayune, and they've got um, and the guy's got a little girl, and she cannot play in her yard because they have this what he called this huge grass. They've got big live oaks in this grass. Well, I thought I'm going to get some grass killer and send it down there as a gift so they can kill this grass. And then when I was going to order it, it said the grass killer would not kill sedges or nut grass. Well, how do you know if how do you determine if something is a sedge? Oh, that's a really good question. It is a stupid little thing that I learned, and I never have a chance to share it. So oh, thank I'd you. Love you know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, if if you you know how grasses have sort of like a flower stem. It's not a flower, but it's that that thing that sticks up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it, on grasses, it'll be round. Sedges have three sides to them. Their leaves have, have like, like a little fold in them. Uh, but sedges, the, 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 here's the saying, sedges have edges. Sedges <laughs> it's have a stupid, edges. It, it's a stupid thing. But, uh, but nutgrass, nutsedge, uh, chufa, these kind of things, cocoa weed, uh, typically they look like grasses, but their leaves have a little bit of a fold in them. They're more clump forming. And when they make their little flower thing, it's a triangular stem. It's a really stupid thing to know, but once you and also they tend to be a brighter green than a lot of the weeds. More, more, you know, instead of a grassy or weed green, they're sort of a emerald green. They're they're prettier green to me. But anyway, yeah. Also, if they want to take a picture of it, or if you you know send it to you, send it to me. We'll take it from there. But uh, My there is a, me a picture. Some it's about a foot tall, and it looks like tangled hair almost. They couldn't. He said they burned up two lawnmowers trying to cut this stuff. And, um, well, if if they could, if if you could get me a good clear close up picture, we could identify it. But anyway, the grass killers only kill grass. So there is a material that kills just sedges, and uh, the brand that I use is called Sedge Hammer, sedge. <laughs> and oh, it okay. works. <laughs> And, and, and you can spray it over. The, but at the same time, keep this in mind. If you spray weeds, uh, and there are some weed killers that are they're terrible for the environment, terrible. But there are some that are safe and effective. But if you kill them and you don't have grass in its place, guess what's going to come back first? More weeds. See, so the, the first, second, and third way to control weeds in the lawn is to raise them more. If they've got a lot of live oak trees, you know, yeah. it's going to be a losing battle. They've got to mow the grass really, really high to get what little energy it can in the shade. And that's not fun for the kids to play on. So, 
you know, his he might need to create a play a play area for the kids and just you know let's start treating the area under the live oak trees as ground covers and mulches because it's it's really hard to grow grass in the shade without mowing it really really high, which people just don't like to do. Well, they couldn't, they couldn't even mow it. Like I said, they burned up two mowers trying to mow this stuff, and it's it's tall and it's wiry looking stuff. But um, I'm gonna. Well, I'm going to look at the triangle and see if I can figure if it's a sedge. If it's if it's not a sedge, I'm going to get the grass killer that doesn't hurt the roots of other stuff. If it's a sedge, I'm going to get the sedge hammer. Well, uh, uh, okay. Uh, what are, another thing is diagnosis. I mean, uh, 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 recommending stuff without diagnosing the problem first is almost like horticultural malpractice let's find out what it is first okay and then we okay. might we might have and also tell him to sharpen his mower blade you know that really makes a difference it i mean it's like shaving your face or your legs or something like that a sharp blade no, makes no. all the difference in the world okay all right can i ask you one more okay. question sure uh, elderberries i love elderberries and i plant stuff big birds can you can, is there some time that you can cut them or should you cut them Trim them back a little uh, bit. Uh, the, the kind of elderberries we grow in the southeast, the ones that are native to the southeast, are, they're not small woody trees like you have up north and in England. Uh, they're more of a herbaceous, big herbaceous perennial that dies almost to the ground in the winter. So when they put up new growth in the spring, they typically bloom in late May and June uh, and then have fruit later. So if you're going to cut them, uh, you know, as soon as the fruit dies down in the fall, you can cut them to the ground to neaten them up. But okay. and but treat them as big, big uh, spring and summer perennials rather than shrubs. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, Felder. Okay. Well, I'll let somebody else have a turn, and I hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and everything and salsas and um, anyway, enjoy and be safe and be happy. Talk to you later. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Okay. Let's slide back down on the coast to Ocean Springs. Hey, Elaine, thank you for calling. Good morning, Felder. Merry Christmas. Thank you. What's up? Well, I have a little question. I've been assigned to water the poinsettias at our church <laughs> for the home. Yeah. And uh, they were delivered Wednesday, and they're in a separate room, and they'll be put in the church on Monday. Now, uh-huh. how often do you think I have to get in there? I'm going to water them today. Yeah. But once they're in the safety, uh- Well, let me, let me ask you this first. Are they in those little foil wraps that hold water? Uh, no. Okay, but good. I think they yeah. will be. I'm, I'm trying to yeah. look for the little plastic, clear uh, things to catch the water because they're going to be placed on a carpet. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be important. Uh, a couple of things to keep in mind. Poinsettia is where they're grown at the wholesale place. They're grown in potting soils that drain really, really well for production purposes. But that means when you get them home, they tend to dry out real quick. Instead of being watered a little bit every day or two, um, you know, in a, in a greenhouse, uh, they're not going to need as much water uh, indoors because it's, you know, it's, it's not as bright as not. They don't dry out as fast. Uh, so what I would do is I would get in the habit of just lifting one up. And when the pot starts to feel like water really good and then lift one up, and see what it feels like. And then every day or so, just lift it up and it starts to feel light. That's the best way to tell if it needs watering. It's just by, you know, the, the weight of the water. Uh, otherwise, you could be sticking your finger down that pot and soil, and that's just not any fun. But you know, yes, typically, now let me let me give you one other real quick tip. If you water them all lightly once, and then after a few minutes, go back and hit them a second time, the water will soak in better because a lot of times that first watering just runs out the bottom of the pot. If you give them a little bit of water, it causes the potting soil to swell up, and that second water really soaks in. You won't have to water as often that way. Oh, great. Thank you for that advice. I appreciate it. Okay. Good luck Happy on New it. Year. And, uh, oh, I want to ask you this. Are, who's yep. going who's gonna, to who's gonna take over the poinsettias after Christmas? Well, now the lady <laughs> in charge thinks they're going to last. I will do that. Thinks they'll last till mid-January. I'm not sure about that. Well, if if they're in a draft, if the if the the heat comes on the church and they're in a draft, that dries them out. Because you got to keep in mind, these things are grown in in human greenhouses, and plants don't shift from one to the other 
the, the leaves that are on it when you got it are used to being in a greenhouse. And what's going to happen is they're unable to adapt to the lower light, the lower humidity. So when they start dropping their leaves, don't worry about that. That's normal. That, that's what happens okay. when you bring a, a greenhouse plant indoors. And uh, okay. so anyway, the main, main thing is cluster them together if you can to help share humidity and hope for the best. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Happy New Year. And thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Elaine. Yeah, folks, we're going to be taking uh, next week off because of the holiday and uh, going to come back right after the first year. So we're just going to miss one. Uh, if you have some questions over the holidays, you want to, to shoot me an email. That's what I'm doing. There's not much. You know, I've already got my garden ready for the winter. Got the stuff brought in that's got to be brought in. Stuff cut down that needs to be cut down. The mulch just need to be mulched. The flowers and winter stuff. I've got all that. So for the next couple of weeks, if you want to shoot me an email anytime about gardening, it's easy. Garden at mpbonline.org. I uh, would like to mention a, a couple of uh, things. I have a blog. I'm not talking about my website, but if you go to Felder Rushing blog, I think you'll be real surprised a couple of things I just added to that. Uh, kind of, kind of uh, seasonal type of stuff. Uh, so anyway, Felder Rushing blog, if you go to that, you can also email me from that. But it's, it's not a commercial thing. I'm not going to try to sell you anything. I just try to have a little bit of fun. So uh, that's that's pretty easy to go. Uh, by the way, I got a, an email a couple of weeks ago from a lady in Perth, Australia, who has bottle trees, all different kinds of bottle trees, and some are really, really fun. And I'm thinking, you know, it, Australia is where the real bottle tree is. It's a tree with a great big bulbous base called bottle tree, but she has real glass bottle trees. And come to find out, she's originally from Belzona, Mississippi, which proves to me, and I hope she's not, I hope she is listening. You can take the gal out of the Delta, but you can't take the Delta out of the gal. Um, got a bunch of real interesting emails love to share with you, but it's a call-in program. Uh, we're going to be uh, talking about uh, migrating winter birds. Uh, I have paper white. My uh, Narcissus tazettas, what most people call paper whites, are in bloom. My earliest ones, uh, the one called, anyway, the one that some people think smell like cat pee. But I've got fragrant uh, daffodils. I've got camellias. Uh, I've got the beautiful berries of the Nandina in my garden right now. Our friends up north don't have this stuff. So uh, it is possible to garden in the middle of the winter. If you'd like to talk about it, uh, give me a call. Uh, we're going to take just a little bit of a break. It's been a very, very depressing, I don't care what your politics, it's been depressing the past couple of weeks and all. Matter of fact, this program got bumped a couple of times because of people arguing. So I got a little short tune. It's only like a minute minute and a half at the most but it's um it's a tune originally made famous by a guy named bob marley and it's my philosophy for everybody right now everybody relax it's a beautiful season it's a season to enjoy each other to share what we have with others Uh, so we're going to take just a little short break a little short tune and come back with your phone calls and again it's a live program so you know if you want to give us a call Toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Here are me and Java and Kevin waiting to hear from you. We're going to take a little break and come back with a Gestalt Gardener here on MPB right after this. Woke up this morning, smiled at the rising sun, three little birds. Singing 
Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and we're talking about gardening. Here it is, uh, approaching the shortest day of the year, the longest night. It's gonna, sun's gonna come, be coming back around. Uh, several years ago, I was fortunate enough to have visited Stonehenge down in South England on the Salisbury Plains, and I saw the sun come up uh, between those uh, beautiful plants. Uh, which it was designed for as a winter solstice, and it was it was uh, it was magical. It's not m- mysterious or anything like that. It just felt magic. Uh, here it is, the shortest day of the year. Tomorrow, the next day is going to get a little bit longer, starting to bring back that hope of springtime. But there are things you can do right now. There are plenty of things you can do in your garden, including get you a, a, a couple of three bulbs of paper whites and grow them indoors. All they need is a little water touching the base, a little gravel or some Mardi Gras beads or, or something to, to for the roots to tangle up with to keep them from falling over, and they'll bloom indoors in about three weeks. Uh, it is, it's a lot of fun. There's even a little trick you can use to add just a little alcohol to the water, and they'll bloom the same time, same flowers, same fragrance, but they'll be shorter. Instead of a foot and a half tall and floppy, they'll be, oh, seven or eight inches tall. Uh, anyway, those are the kind of things that you can be doing, uh, and, hey, you can get kids to do that, too. Uh, it's a live program, though. Give us a call. We're wide open. Uh, we're going to start out right now back down on the Gulf Coast. In Gulfport. Hey, Stephanie, good morning. Thanks for calling. Good morning and happy holidays to everybody. Thanks um, for everybody. And well, especially for you, but everybody. Um, <laughs> I just kind of want to give everybody a, a gentle reminder please, if it's at all possible, avoid using pesticides outdoors um, because the bees and the butterflies, you know, the pollinators. Um, uh-huh. They're in real trouble. Um, I'm hearing reports that the bees are um, endangered and maybe become extinct, and the same for the butterflies. And what's causing it is all the pesticides that we um, that some people use so liberally out in their yards and whatnot. Um, you know, and maybe you might think bees are a pest or whatever, but here's the thing. When the bees are gone, say goodbye to your food crops. Um, yeah, the yeah. It, it, on, you know, you, you, even if you don't like bees, you like to eat. Um, yeah. so, well, um, Stephanie, the, these are really good points. And uh, personally, you know, I don't have any. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a turf guy. I study turf management. I work with that. And people who call with probably the weeds, I try to encourage people if they can to to at least mow around a few. But personally, I have uh, the last three books I've written have got essays on how to create a meadow lawn because even in the wintertime, in the, every sunny day in the wintertime, you can see bees and butterflies out working the, the, the little uh, beautiful meadow wildflowers in the laws, the, the henbit, uh, the, the onions, the garlic, the, the dandelion, There's, especially clover. Uh, their wildlife is starving to death in suburbia for lack of anything to feed on in the winter. And that's where these, uh, you know, if, if you want to have a, a yard of the month, that's fine. But I'd like to see an award given for meadow lawn of the month, where you have low-growing, a mixture of low-growing wildflowers that are, that are really good for the, the bees. You know, so that's my personal approach. Professionally, you know, my, if people want to go one way or the other, we, we're going to try to have to find a balance somewhere. But I'm with you on that, Stephanie. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, and I did not know that that um, you had written that in your book about the. But that's a great idea. 
You know, let's well, this way, some more flowers for the pollinators. Let's help them out because we well, need them. Well, we we do, but but none of that. It's it's the right thing to do. It's just the right thing. This thing I have enough of a. a, a, a a perfect monocrop out there of just one kind of plant. It's not natural. It's not sustainable. But, uh, you know, I spent a good bit of time overseas visiting gardens. Most English gardens have got a very small, well-maintained lawn and then a larger area that's not mowed as often or sprayed. So they have that combination of like a putting green and then a fairway. And uh, here in America, we tend to think it's got to be wall-to-wall carpet when you could have a nice little pretty throw rug you know to enjoy and to to control stuff in and then a bigger area where uh sometimes people have have a hard time accepting weeds in the lawn when i'm saying instead of calling weeds plant some low-growing little daffodils and muscari other bulbs in other words find things that only grow three or four or five inches tall and plant them out there and have a carpet and call it a meadow lawn it works and it's that's pretty, beautiful. and it's good for nature. And that's what I recommend. I actually, some of my friends made fun of me. I've got a little area in my backyard uh, that I actually import weeds. I plant uh, violets and dandelions and all these in a nice little round area. So I have a little round meadow that's just alive with, with and it's pretty. And that's where I grow my bulbs and stuff, too. Oh, it sounds lovely. And I have seen some weeds that um, are beautiful. You know, they put out beautiful flowers. You know, we call them weeds, but some of them have some really pretty flowers. A lot of people be real surprised how many of our weeds are mainstays in Japanese and European gardens. But anyway, it's a real good sentiment, uh, and I'm with you on that, Stephanie. Thank you so much for reminding us of it. Thank you, and um, have a good day. Thank you. Appreciate it. All righty, let's uh, go over to Kentwood, Louisiana. Hey, Julia, thanks for calling. Hey, I love your show. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Thanks for being part of it. What's up? Yeah. Well, I have raised beds in my garden, and I want to add more soil to it. So I was looking for places where I can buy soil, good soil, by the truckload. But I haven't been able to find anything out here. Yeah, and you want to make sure, Julia, that, that when you get it, it is real topsoil and not, you know, clay dug out of a hillside. Um, a lot of times, I don't know about in Kentwood, I've, I've been through there a couple of times and I haven't been to any garden centers, but locally owned garden centers. I'm not talking about the big chain, the, the box store. Locally owned garden centers and landscapers usually have uh, uh, either either sell it sometimes, uh, you know, by the, the yard or the truckload or whatever, or they have sources for it. Uh, I tell you what, if you can uh, e- either either shoot me an email, it's getting kind of late in the season because uh, a lot of the extension offices are closed, but uh, your parish extension office, uh, their uh, horticulturists should know where some supplies are. Anyway, check with local locally owned garden centers and see if they know because they'll know about this, or else shoot me an email and I'll see what I can come up with. Okay, the email is that garden at mpb.org. Is that it? No, garden at mpbonline.org. Online.org. Perfect. I can yeah. do that. Okay, let me let me throw out one other thing. You said you're going to fill in some low areas? Yes. Okay. Um, it, you know, if you cover, if you have areas that, that have grass uh, on it, uh, I would do it in, in layers because if you just completely cover the grass, it, a lot of times if you have St. Augustine or Centipede, it's not going to come up through a thick layer of stuff. So you may have to actually you know, sort of sift it into the, the lower areas rather than just bury the grass. Uh, okay. Also, one last thing. See if you can find some, you know, see what kind of soil you've got because if you've got a sandy soil, you may want to find something that's similar to, to put. In other words, you don't have two different layers of soil out there. Or, okay. or else the grass won't grow the same. So my question is, how do I test my soil to see what kind of soil I have? I just dig into it. Yeah, okay. just dig down and <laughs> and then and then, then look. You know, and and uh, you know, not when it's really really wet, but anyway, if you if you'll just dig down uh, three or four inches deep, because that's where roots are, and then see if you rub it between your fingers, if it balls up like clay or if it or it uh, falls apart like sand. You know, okay. you want to kind of come up with something similar to that. Okay, sounds great. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love your show. Thank you so much, Julie. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. 
Okay, let's slide over to Hazelhurst, Mississippi. Hey, Larry, how are you this morning? Fine, fine. I have uh, four boxwoods, decades old, but just in the uh-huh. last nine months, they've been starting to turn brown from the bottom up about halfway, about a fourth of uh, of each one of them. Yeah. Is it mostly in the bottom or is it scattered throughout the plant? No, it is in bunches starting uh, at the bottom. Coming up about okay. halfway and about a quarter of a way around. Yeah. Well, this is sort of good news. There's a real serious disease that's killing boxwoods all over the country. Matter of fact, they're looking for, for boxwoods that are resistant. It's a, a, a kind of a root rot, and it is in some of the older gardens in Louisiana, but it typically causes chunks of the, uh, the, the whole chunks here and there to die rather than just from the bottom up. Uh, have, uh, when's the last time you pruned these things? Never have. Well, here, here's the deal. Yeah. Well, I've got one in my yard, one boxwood. Uh, and as a matter of fact, it's the only thing in my front yard that I prune to show people I know what to do. It's just a big old ball. Uh, and it's, it's gotten to where uh, I should have done it this past year. I'm going to need to rejuvenate it, which means cut it way, way back and kind of start it over again. Uh, you know, just like you cut a holly or anything, you can cut them down real, real low, and they'll bush back out. What's happening? It sounds like is the the, the older lower limbs are being shaded out, and plus the weather we've had, boxwoods don't really like long, long wet spells followed by long, long hot spells, and this weakens them. So it sounds like a combination of of just being old, big shading out, and bad weather. And uh, there's a process called rejuvenation where you can cut them down to where they have no leaves at all on them, but still cut them in a ball shape, and they'll sprout back out and get started over again. So I can cut out, uh, just uh, cut out the brown part completely and then start the pruning from the top of the green part. Yeah, yeah. Now keep this in mind. Boxwoods are slower than other plants to come back from a hard pruning. So if you do it now, people are going to talk bad about you all winter long. So I'd wait till next spring. And then maybe do one of them at a time to sort of get a feel for it. But you can cut them down to, you know, you know how you grow them in a ball shape. You can cut it down to a ball shape, just bare twigs. And it'll take uh, four, five, six weeks for the new growth to come out, but it will. And they do this around old uh, historic gardens in Louisiana and Mississippi all the time. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Good luck on it. Appreciate it. Okay, now, uh, Java, we've got a lady who's calling on the road. Hey, Martha, how are you doing? Where are you? Doing great. How are y'all doing? So far, so good. What can I help you with? Well, I have a magnolia tree that I have cut. The, there's little saplings that come up, and I keep cutting them back, and um, they keep coming back. So Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, I've even tried to kill it, but... Um, not the whole big magnolia tree, but the the saplings. Yeah. It, would it be harmful just to leave them there and let them grow up? Will they cause a problem for the main tree? Well, let me, there's a couple of things. First of all, mag, it, it might be seedlings because, you know, the birds drop the seeds on the ground and it might be right. individual little trees coming up, but it could be suckers coming off the old roots of the tree. That's what I have, have in, in, in my yard. Uh, in which case, the, the easiest thing to do is, is if you go out and cut them off right where they sprout off the root. Don't leave any kind of stub. A lot of times that'll take care of it. And if they're seedlings, um, you know, have their own roots, there's not much you can do except just try to, to, to dig up, pull them up or something like that. But anyway, if you want a thicket of magnolia trees, you can. I've seen them. Uh, but typically, if you want a real pretty magnolia, it's better to have just that main trunk with a few big low limbs. But it won't hurt the trees to leave them, but it just might not be what you want as far as looks goes. I figured so, the shade on the inside would, um, you know, drown out the smaller ones. Yeah. And then it would just look like it's growing down on the ground. Yeah, you yeah, know, they'll, they'll just... They'll, They'll just be, they'll be leggy until they, you know, get tall enough to reach the light. So, you know, if it was me, I would cut them off. And usually once a year is all you need to do it. But uh, don't, don't leave any kind of stubs. 
So that means get you some good lopper shears, not a little hand stuff, but some good loppers. And if they're really big, if you'll get one of those kind of pruning saws that's got a little curved blade and it cuts when you pull, you can go through those with two or three. It's like cutting through butter. But a pruning saw with a curved blade that, that you pull to cut works real fast for me. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Good luck on it. Thank you. It's hard to believe that Mississippi State flower, Mississippi State tree could be a weed. But uh, a weed, does any plant have to deal with an unhappy human? If she's not crazy about it, it probably needs to go. Hey, let's go down to Purvis. Hey, Keith, thank you for calling, man. Good morning. Thank you for, thank you for taking my call. I was just on the sure. phone with my wife a few minutes ago and um, trying to find out exactly when it was. We can't remember if it was eight or ten years ago, approximately. We made a mistake. Um, oh, and yeah, well, we planted crepe, um, crepe myrtles and they're too near to our house and we're wanting them gone. I've cut them off pretty low with a chainsaw. They're, like I said, eight or 10 years old, pretty large. Yeah. My question is, and <laughs> may not be the, the perfect way for, um, that you would usually recommend to do it, but what are the size of the roots and would I be able to like, maybe with a pickup, be able to pull them up, like completely just get rid of them? Well, you, you you could do that, but there's a good chance you're gonna leave your transmission out in the yard, though, because they've got good. If you're gonna do that, uh, Keith, take your chainsaw and cut down around the, uh, you know, cut the, you know, the roots are gonna go outward. They're not gonna go deep. You know, we have very few deep roots. So if you can go out from the trunk a foot or two, and you know, and find out where the the big side roots are. Sort of like out from the shoulders, cut it off above the elbows. That makes sense. If you'll yeah. cut through those, then uh, then it'll put, it'll just pop right out. But uh, I would definitely use your chainsaw and, and cut the the main big roots out there before you start pulling on it. Really would. And um, yeah, that's. I mean, I've I've moved. I pulled too many plants out, and I have used my pickup truck before, but it's not easy on the, the truck. <laughs> All right. Okay, sir. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I appreciate you saying that we made a problem eight or ten years ago instead of yes, you or instead of me. To. Yeah, it's doing what it was supposed <laughs> to. We made the error by planting it um, at a place we thought then would, would, would be good, and that's what we wanted, but it's, it's since changed. I understand that uh, completely. I, I personal experience. I'm with you, brother. All right. Sir. Anyway, thank, thank you. Appreciate it. All righty. Now, uh, and, and, and by the way, folks, there's all sorts of things uh, that that gardeners can use as little happies for the holidays. You know, a pair of gloves, sack of bulbs, you know, a tray of pansies, anything like that would be more than welcome. But if you've got kids, think about a, a couple of three little paper white bulbs or a little kale or a pansy or a viola in a pot. Something can sit outside that'll take the winter time. Yeah, you, if you don't start kids out gardening, who is? Who is? I mean, come on. If you want them to grow up sharing about gardening, you got to start while they're young. Let's go over to Mobile, Alabama. Hey, Marie, good morning. Hey, Soldier. How's it going? So far, so good. What Can I help yeah. you with something? Yeah, I've got a question about planting citrus. Um, I live on, a, I actually live in Citronelle, so a little north of Mobile. And I've been there. Plant, yeah. Um, plant some citrus in front of an old dairy barn that's a block building to try to help protect them from the cold. But do I need to wait till spring to do that, or should I plant them? No. As a matter of fact, planting stuff in the fall or the early winter is best because then the soil is settled around. The roots have actually started to grow before springtime, and they'll sort of have a head start. You're not going to need as much care for them next year. Uh, I would recommend this, though. Dig the hole wider than you think. You know, If you don't feel a little ridiculous about it, uh, it's not wide enough. And then when you pull the plants out of the pot, loosen up the potting soil and some of the roots. The wide hole and loosened up potting soil are crucial to help the plant get established as fast as possible, no matter what kind of plants you've got going. And uh, be sure to come out far enough where it's not going to rub the paint off the barn. Yeah, okay, sure thing. And I got one more question for you about paper white. Um, uh-huh. I've made up some little paper white baskets to give for like teacher's gifts and hostess gifts and things. Uh huh. Can I tell them that can they plant the bulbs out in their yard after the paper white has bloomed indoors? Uh yeah. Oh, these these are already. Uh, you give them just the bulbs or the ones with the yeah. flowers already on. Yeah. Them? 
the they're starting it, to to emerge. You know, they're in yeah. the gravel and the water, and you know, they're still a couple of weeks away from blooming. Yeah, unfortunately, when you grow these in gravel and water, that pretty well wastes them. You know, they, they don't get the energy and stuff they need. So if they want to do that, it just as soon as they can, I have to get through blooming. They need to, to, to plant them as soon as possible. But when you force them in water, you know, that's just, it, it, just, it really boogers the bulbs up. It's almost, uh, almost a death sentence, I would say. Anyway, tell them to give <laughs> okay. it a try. Okay, so and good they luck should leave the foliage, do you think? To try it, like if even if well, see, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Daffodils make their flower bud for next year after mm-hmm. they finish blooming, and so that the, the the leaves after they get through blooming need sunshine as soon as possible. See, so so you know that yeah, they they need to go out as soon as possible and let the leaves get sunshine. That's how they make next year's bulbs gotcha. and, and buzz after they finish blooming. Okay. So right. anyway, it's a, it's, it's, it's a great idea, and fingers crossed, right? Right. Great. Thank you, Felder. You bet, Marie. Thank you. And I think we got time to talk to Mark in Gulfport. Hey, Mark. Good morning, sir. Hey, how are you? So far, so good. What's up? <laughs> you gave me some great advice. Uh, we built this house a couple of years ago, and uh, a lot of oaks, and so you, you advised me to plant uh, jasmine, and it's it's still been well. In a moment of complete insanity, I bought 500 bulbs. Uh, <laughs> wow! Yeah, <laughs> wood hyacinth and tulips and uh, narcissus and you know everything that's going to come up in the spring. And I planted yeah. this stuff, but it's coming up now. Is that going to be a problem? That, no, no. This is what they're supposed to do. Uh, I've already got daffodils blooming. All of my foliage is up. All of it. So this, you know, they grow over the winter. They bloom, then they go dormant for the summer. See, so this is the sound like the right on track. Now, unfortunately, tulips and a lot of daffodils are one shot on the coast. Mm. You know, they need longer cold weather. There's only a handful of those kind of bulbs that will come back year after year after year on the, on the coast. And if you shoot me an email, I can give you a list of those. You can start putting out, you know, down the road that'll not only bloom every year but multiply. So you get more and more, but Tulips and a lot of the daffodils are just one-shot things on the Gulf Coast. They don't get enough cold in the wintertime to do well. So anyway, shoot me an email, and uh, good luck on it. Uh, And the rest of y'all, we're going to be off next week, and then when we come back, it's going to be January the 3rd, 2020. Let's hope that 2020 isn't as weird as 2019. But in the garden, we have hope. We plant hope. We plant for the future. We plant ideas for the future. And that's what we're going to do here every week. So between now and then, you know, take a kid to a garden center, get them a sack of bulbs, show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. Y'all have a safe holiday, uh, and look forward to next year. We're going to have a whole lot of fun. Again, Horticulture's Fellow Rushing, Kevin, Java, and all the folks at MPB, we wish y'all a happy holidays and look forward to chatting with y'all next week. See ya.